T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back in. We are with you until midnight, baby, as we're getting you ready for opening day. Less than 48 hours away. Red Sox and Yankees cannot wait. Although I'd like them to get a deal done with Rafael Devers. Looks like that's not going to be the case. So that's on the table. What are your expectations for this team? I will get to my biggest concern with the Red Sox in just a little bit. Also, Devontae Parker continues to be on the table tonight. What did you make of the signing for the Patriots? Did you like it? One thing concerns me about it. I'll get to that in just a second here. And also the Celtics. What do you want them to do over the next couple of days? Because they play Milwaukee tomorrow. Right now they're sitting in that two spot. If they get the two spot, in all likelihood, they're going to play the Nets. The Nets would play Cleveland in the first playing game, and Cleveland is a complete disaster right now. Mobley's injured. Jared Allen's injured. They have no chance. I guess it's a one-game center. Who the hell knows one game? But I don't believe that Kevin Durant is going to lose in a playing game to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sorry, I don't expect that to happen whatsoever. That's why you look back to, oh, last week, that loss to the Heat, you really would have had an opportunity to go for the one seed. So if you get the three seed, if you lose to Milwaukee tomorrow, and let's say you go to the three, although Philly could get to, could hop you, they could get to the three. But three really seems like the sweet spot because then you get this sorry Chicago team in the first round that has the injury to Lonzo Ball, and that team is just putrid defensively. Really, it's embarrassing the way they play defense. But then here's the problem if you drop to the four. Then we have that whole Toronto situation. Toronto right now is five, and they're going to stay at five. That's a scary situation because we don't know about all this vaccine situations right and we know that Horford says he'll be good Jalen Brown said he's not commenting because the whole situation he's the VP of the Players Association but apparently Ime Adoka was hinting at the fact that they'd be good to go so I don't know if that means that Horford and Jalen have gotten the vaccine have gotten like a Johnson and Johnson shot or something but it would concern me if you're the four so it seems like you got to get to the three so you play Chicago let's get to Kelly Kelly's in Amherst tonight Kelly what's up man long time Hey, long time, man, long time. So listen, I heard uh, Michael Mutnansky, he said that you were so excited about the Celtics that you were in there running around with your pants off. And I just want to say that when I heard that, I also got very excited in kind of a different way, but I know there's a love line, so we don't want to go into all that. But I'm very excited about the Celtics. But if I wanted to verify if that was true, did you literally have – uh, wardrobe malfunction today, or was Mutt doing theater of radio there? Or can you not divulge that? I cannot confirm or deny. Okay, okay. So forgetting about what you're But I have said, Kelly, I did, Kelly, I did a couple of weeks ago say cue the duck boats, pre-Robert Williams injury. I did have the duck boats queued. 
Dude, you're not the only one on that one, man. I was watching the uh, Denver game, I think it was, and, you know, with the other feed, you know, from the other team. And they were, I mean, they were getting smoked by the Celtics, and they were just going on and on. The guy was like, this is far and away the best team in the East. And so I'm going to go on that note. I'm going to agree. When you're talking about who do we want to play, it makes sense. You're talking about Robert Williams is out, right? Yes, it makes sense to want to avoid certain teams, but no, the Nets are not one of those teams. The teams you want to look out for with no Robert Williams in the middle, the teams are Philly and Milwaukee because they have Embiid and Giannis, and those are the big guys that, you know, Robert Williams would be a great, you know, start to being able to defend. But without him, there's there's no hope. The Nets are terrible. Oh, and my God. They all, play no defense. They're so bad. And, and, you know, in the playoffs, everybody ratchets up the defense, so we'll see what they do there. But the thing is, home court makes such a difference in the playoffs, man. Everybody, it's like they've never watched NBA before, the way they're talking about this. What you want to get is the highest seed possible. So what I'll leave you with is this question. But, Kelly, hold on. Let me ask you this. Hold on. Let me interject for a second. Let me ask you this. So you would rather be the two seed than the three seed? Because I'm talking about the first round, the three seed, would in all likelihood play the Chicago Bulls, who we just saw tonight. That team stinks. They play no defense whatsoever. They're not that threatening offensively. Or if you go to the two seed, well, then you got to deal with Kevin Durant in the first round. I still believe the Celtics would win that series, but I don't give the Bulls a chance to win more than one game. I could see the Nets, Kevin Durant himself, having a couple of big-time games, and that being sort of a, a series that takes something out of you when you get to play Milwaukee in the next round. Clearly, the Chicago Bulls right now are even more lowly and pathetic than the Brooklyn Nets. And so, yeah, if I could you know, pick one of those two teams to play just for that, I would obviously want to pick the Chicago Bulls. But you're forgetting, dude, there's lots of different series that we're talking about. What I'm saying is if you get that number two seed locked up, that means that you will have home court through the entire East unless you have to play, you know, whatever, Milwaukee, whoever's number one. Miami, In the yeah. Eastern Conference Finals, yeah, Miami, which would mean that both of you guys made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, which isn't very statistically likely anyways. What I wanted to ask you, though, before I or before you let me go, we'll let each other go. What I wanted to ask you is, we've had Rob Williams out for a little bit. It was like heartbreaking Celtics Nation when he went down, and obviously we're hoping to get him back in a couple weeks, so there should be a moot point. But so far, how are my boys Horford and Tice looking – trying to fill in that spot. What do you think? Oh, uh, Horford, uh, Kelly, I appreciate the call as always. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. Horford has been ridiculous. And this is why I made the case the other day that Brad Stevens deserves real consideration. Like we talk about Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, Ime Adoka, Coach of the Year, right? Those things have been brought up. But I believe Brad Stevens has a real case for the Executive of the Year because you dumped Kemba Walker's contract Kemba obviously was a negative player this year for the Knicks. He's not even playing for them anymore. And it's not like he's hurt. They just shut him down because he sucked. And he's not going to be there long-term with that organization. So they said there's no point in playing the guy. So, yeah, you had to give away a first-round pick. But part of the reason you had to give away a first-round pick was Kemba's contract was such an albatross. But Al Horford (laughs) has been incredible. So Al has defended more isolation possessions than anybody in the NBA this season. He's holding players to 34.9% shooting. Al Horford is a big reason the Celtics' defense has been the best in the NBA for two reasons. First of all, he's held up in the switching scheme. A 35-year-old big man has been tremendous in the switching scheme where he's taking on guards. 
Guards and ISO are not getting past Al. It's remarkable the way that he's playing defense this year. And the other reason that Al deserves a ton of credit for what they've been doing from a defensive perspective is he allowed the Celtics to unlock Robert Williams as sort of a comparison would be like a free safety in the NFL where he's just roaming, right? He plays the corner three-point shooter. And once somebody gets near the basket, Robert Williams comes out of nowhere and he, as the help defender, is swatting everything. Part of the reason you can do that is because of the presence of Al Horford being able to, first of all, take the other team's big, which we know he can do, but switching on all those guards. It's just been incredible to see the way that Al's played this season. And then if you think about some of the other things Brad has done, obviously the Derek White thing has worked out. The Celtics have a plus 13.4 net rating when he's on the court. So that means per 100 possessions, they're outscoring opponents by 13.4 when he's on the court per 100 possessions since the trade. And then you brought back Daniel Tice. Who Daniel Tice, think about where this team's at right now if they don't bring back Tice. Because your backup big, like your third big, true big, not Grant Williams, true big, was Ennis Freedom. <laughs> That guy's a flat-out traffic cone defensively. So that would have been your other option. A lot of people criticize Brad. I'm not talking about a lot of people here locally. I'm talking about nationally. A lot of people criticize Brad for that in terms of him going out there and bringing back Tice because they felt like it was an overpay. But the reality is, if you had NS Freedom right now, this would be a complete disaster for the Celtics in terms of that other big. And Daniel Tice has played really well with Al Horford. I'm not telling you he's Robert Williams. But for a first-round series and for the stretch run of the season, if you will, he's definitely holding up his end of the bargain. That was definitely worth it when it comes to Brad making this type of move because he can play in the same scheme that Robert Williams plays in. Not to say he's the same player or even close to the same level. Robert Williams one of the best shot blockers, as we all know, in the NBA. That's why he's a candidate for the defensive player of the year, right? So he's not in that stratosphere. But he's fine offensively. Not that he shoots the ball amazingly well, but he can space the floor a little bit. We know he can roll to the basket. And from a defensive perspective, he can do a lot of the things his team is asking him to do. <laughs> I also look at one of the other things with him this year. It's amazing how much better he is with the Celtics than other teams. Like, he was not great with Houston. I never understood that deal from Houston to begin with. Why the hell did they sign that guy? Like, Daniel Tice is supposed to be on a team that is winning, right? He's a role player on a winning team. He's not a guy that's going to be a starting player on a bad team. It just made no sense. I don't know if their goal was like to get something for him. They didn't get much. But Daniel Tice, you look at it in terms of the on-off differential, plus 11.7. The Celtics with Daniel Tice on the court this season, a 123.2 offensive rating. By the way, the best in the league is like 116.1. I'm not telling you it's all because of Daniel Tice. I'm just pointing it out. Defensive rating with Daniel Tice on the court, 105.0. That means that the Celtics with Daniel Tyson on the court, are outscoring their opponents by 18.2 points per 100 possessions. So it was a great deal by Brad Stevens. Oh, and the other reason that Brad Stevens should be the executive of the year. He hired Ime Adoka, which is obviously a slam dunk. Ime Adoka's done an outstanding job with this team. No way around it whatsoever. And I do feel like there was a part of Brad that knew, because I know everybody likes to bring up the conspiracy theory of, well, they really fired Brad, but they didn't want to pay a new GM, so they just bumped Brad upstairs. Do you really think the ownership group did that? They didn't think that Brad was capable of doing the job. They just said, you know what, we don't want Brad to coach anymore. We need a new coach. Let's just bump him upstairs. Do you know how important that position is in the NBA? Think about the moves that Brad made in terms of moves that Danny wouldn't make. And look, Danny had a great tenure here. He wasn't great at the end. 
He traded away a first-round pick for Derek White. Does anybody think Danny Ainge would have made that deal? No, Danny Ainge was so enamored with winning trades, right? Trader Danny, you got to win all these trades. He would have never made that move for Derek White because Derek White's not a star, so he wouldn't give it up a first-round pick for him. But he fits in perfectly to what the Celtics want to do from not only a defensive perspective, but an offensive perspective as well. One of the concerns with Derek White was his shooting. And now over the past five games, he's shooting north of 50% from three. Now, I'm not telling you he's going to stay at that level, but it's imperative that he hits open shots in terms of the postseason because he wasn't for a long extended period of time. But you bring in Derek White, you bring in Daniel Tice, you get rid of Kemba Walker's albatross of a contract, and you hired the right coach. He certainly has a case for executive of the year. And the thing that sticks out to you with the Celtics team is defensively, even with Pritchard, they have nobody that you can just pick on and attack defensively because even Pritchard moves his feet significantly well. And the other thing that, of course, that Ime Doka unlocked, not Brad, is he unlocked Jason Tatum, the playmaker. He challenged him. Basically, at the beginning of the season, he said he should have five triple-doubles. He hasn't had one. He should have had one tonight. But you get the point. He challenged him as a playmaker. And now in seven of Tatum's last eight games, he has north of six assists. So he's been much better as a playmaker. And this is a process. You weren't just going to become a great playmaker overnight. Remember, Kawhi Leonard didn't average five assists per game until his ninth year. It took Kevin Durant until his sixth year. It takes a while for these things to happen. If you're not a natural playmaker like LeBron or like Cade Cunningham's a natural playmaker, Tatum's a better player. I'm just pointing it out. That wasn't Tatum's pedigree coming out. That wasn't his skills that he had to develop that. So at the beginning of the season, it was choppy at times. But now he's at the point where he understands everything that's going on in the court. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you do want to weigh in on the Celtics and how do you want them to play out the final couple of games on the season, that's on the table at 617-779-7937. Plus, I'll give you my big concern with the Red Sox as we're just a couple of days away, really a day and a half away from opening day. And the one thing I don't like about the Devontae Parker move, I'll get to that next here in EI. Marloni and Fourier, weekdays 2 to 6. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, well, the Celtics picked up win number 50 on the season. They are 50 and 30 as they beat Chicago 117 to 94. And yes, that means when you're 50 and 30, that means you're 10 games over 500. You're not 20, you're 10. Because here is the thing if you were 40 and 40, you would be 500. So that means you're 10 games over 500. I've had this argument with many people over the years. Believe me, I'm right. You're wrong. Jason Tatum, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Jalen Brown went for 25 points. The Bulls suck, man. The, Cel- the Celtics were, they shot 48.9% from the field. <laughs> they shot 45.9% from three. They were 17 to 37. Oh, man, I'd love to see the Bulls in the first round. No time to rest for the Seas. They'll visit the Bucks on Thursday night. We'll see how they play this one out. Meanwhile, the big news in Major League Baseball today as it pertains to your Red Sox. MLB insider Hector Gomez, he reported earlier today, the Sox had offered Rafael Devers a contract extension, but Devers rejected the deal because it was lower than he was willing to consider. Okay, Gomez added that Devers would focus on the 2022 season. But then there was more from Hector Gomez, who is an MLB insider from the Dominican Republic. He reported later that the offer that the Red Sox made to Rafael Devers was better than the contract extension that Jose Ramirez received from the Gladiators. That was a five-year extension worth $124 million. 
The Sox already had their season opener scheduled for Thursday postponed. They'll instead open up a three-game set with the Yankees on Friday. Pre-game coverage starts at 12.05 with Mott across the Shaws and Star Market, Red Sox Network. The Bees coming off a 5-3 loss to the Red Wings on Tuesday. They will visit the Lightning on Friday night. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. All right, we are with you until midnight. <laughs> so I saw this quote from Ime Adoka after the game tonight. He was asked about the Celtics getting to 50 wins. Quote, when I signed on here, it was pretty much a given. We were going to win 50 games. That was the expectation. Love the swag. Okay, now here's the more important thing, though. This was Ime Adoka on if they're going to rest guys against the Bucks. That's something we'll discuss. We'll see how guys feel. Al Horford didn't commit to playing tomorrow. Said he's going to see how his body feels. Said the Celtics need to make sure they're healthy as they can be for the playoffs. So this makes me think that the Celtics are going to rest guys tomorrow night. Al Horford's not committing to it. Ime Doka says they haven't decided yet. Because here's the thing. If they were just 100% sure they were going to play everybody tomorrow night, they would come out and say that. Ime Doka would say, yeah, everybody's playing tonight. We're not resting anybody. We're full tilt. We're going for it. They would say that. But the fact that they say, ah, we haven't made that decision yet. Al, eh, not committing to it. That means to tell you they're thinking about this whole matchup situation as they get ready for the postseason. 617-779-7937 is the number. If you do want to wait in the Celtics, what do you want to see them do over the final two games? Do you want them to drop to the three seeds so they get the Bulls in the first round, try to maneuver it that way rather than have to play a Nets team in the first round? That's on the table. What do you make of the Devontae Parker trade? And what's your biggest concern with the Red Sox as we get ready for opening day? 617-779-7937, the number. So let me start with the Devontae Parker thing. I haven't had an opportunity, really, to get into this in greater detail. So, yeah, by the way, I know I, <laughs> I called the Gladiator. I called the Guardians the Gladiators. <laughs> I keep doing that. I did it last week with Mutt, too. Mutt's like, who the hell are the Gladiators? I'm sorry. The Guardians. <laughs> Gladiators, by the way, in my defense. No, I mean, I'm not trying to defend myself. But I do feel like the Gladiators would be a better name than the Guardians. Ethan, your thoughts? Gladiators, gladiators or Guardians? That feels more like a sports team than the Guardians. Yeah, what the hell's a Guardians? A guard, I mean, terrible name. I get why they had to change the name and all that, but jeez. Guardians. Could be the Commanders, but, I mean, Guardians Commanders is, is pretty. See, when they got to that point, it had been two years. The Washington football team, I kind of felt like, okay, yeah, stick with that. I was with it. I liked the football team. Look. Yeah. I loved everything about it. Oh, yeah. Who are you guys playing this week? Oh, we got the football team. Like, I kind of thought that was cool. And then they changed it. Commanders, right? I'm getting that one right? Yeah, the Commanders. Yeah. I kind of like that. The Washington football team. And I thought their 
The uniforms just being plain, I thought that was kind of cool as well, but apparently they want They wanted... gave it a real throwback feel that you don't yeah. really have with the way uniforms are heading these days. Yeah, and I always felt like they had ugly colors, but, I mean, it was fine. I mean, I liked it. I liked it more than their new freaking name. Same thing with the the Guardians. I got to get used to that. The Guardians. Oh, I wanted to get to you, so it's not like they're going to be playing important baseball games this season. That team sucks. But anyway, getting back to Devontae Parker for a second here. That, his old team does have good uniforms, the Dolphins. So, first things first with Devontae Parker. So, this is why I don't really feel like he's a great fit here. And not that I think, like, the uh, Patriots overpaid. They give up a third-round pick. That's fine. Getting a veteran receiver. I have no issue with the price whatsoever. Although, it does. I keep coming back to, I know, the Shaq Mason thing. But Shaq Mason, you got a fifth-round pick for that guy? Like, I, I don't understand why you did that. The guy's a great guard. He actually, in terms of pro football focuses grades, he was the highest rated Patriot, and you just traded that guy away. I'll still, I don't understand the rationale behind that. And if somebody wants to try to explain it to me, go ahead at 617-779-7937. But that, to me, is the biggest mistake the Patriots made this entire offseason. I would have kept J.C. Jackson. I would have paid him. But to me, the Shaq Mason thing just makes no sense. It's completely perplexing to me. But with Devontae Parker, so <laughs> Devontae Parker last two seasons, each of the last two, 2021, in 2020, 1.7 yards of separation per target. That was tied for last in the NFL this year. 127 qualified receivers. He was dead last. He was dead last, tied for dead last two years ago as well. Okay, so that means that Tua last year, he was throwing into tight windows very often. 19.3% aggressive rating, which means the percentage of passes thrown into tight windows, closest defender within one yard. So Tua was thrown into tight windows all the time. That led the NFL. That's not how Mac Jones operates. That's not how the Patriots' offense operates in general. And I look back to 20, and by the way, if you want to reference that with Mac, Mac was at 15.4% last year. That was tied for 21st. So Devontae Parker is coming from an offense where they throw into tight windows all the time. With the Patriots, it's the opposite. Mac Jones didn't do that last year. And then I look at, okay, well, Devontae Parker, if you look at the history of the player, First of all, he's not reliable. The guy's always hurt. If you go through his career games played, he's played a full season once. That was his best season in 2019. This past season, he played in 10 games. He played in 14 games in 2020. You go back to 18, he played in 11 games, 17, 13. Now, he had fell out of favor with some of the coaching staffs there and with Brian Flores, etc. But in 2019, that was his best season. 1,202 yards, so 75 yards per game because there was a 60. Yeah, 75 yards per game. That was a 16-game season. 16.7 yards per reception. That was eighth in the NFL that year. So he was getting down the field, and here's the thing. At that time, in 19, his quarterback was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick is known for not giving a bleep. He will just throw it up. He doesn't care. He just throws it up there. He does not give a rat's ass. If he, I said rat's ass a lot tonight, but he doesn't care about throwing a pick. He will gamble. So, and if you look at Fitzpatrick's numbers that season, 20.9 aggressive rating. Remember, that comes back to the percentage of passes thrown into tight windows. Closest defender within one yard. He was he had a higher percentage than Tua. Now, that was only fourth in the league that year compared to Tua, who led the league. But think about that. More than... Every five of his passes were thrown into tight windows. He was also very high in terms of where he was throwing the ball. Nine intended air yards per attempt. That was seventh in the NFL. So he's throwing the ball down the field, and he's throwing into tight windows. He's a gambler. That's what Ryan Fitzpatrick did. And if you look at Devontae Parker in 19, 
14 yards was his average depth of target. So he was getting down the football field. And I just wonder, is that what Mac Jones is going to do? Because Devontae Parker is like a big-time contested catch guy, as the numbers would indicate. Is that what Mac's going to do? Now, Mac was actually, he's higher than you think he would be in terms of intended air yards per attempt. He was at 8.1, rather, which was 10th in the NFL. And we mentioned his aggressive rating, very low, tied for 21st, 15.4%. I just wonder if Mac Jones is the type of guy, like if you sent him to play with Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow throws into tight windows all the time. He doesn't care. He'll gamble. He'll throw it up in the air. He does, that's why Joe Burrow has a lot of interceptions as well. It, this isn't an indictment on Joe Burrow. It's just how he plays. I mean, I like that type of style of quarterback. Mac Jones, and I get it, it's only one year, and maybe they were in a situation last year, rookie quarterback, we want to ease into it, don't take a lot of chances, right? A lot of rookies become a little bit hesitant. They want to make sure, hey, I don't, I just don't screw it up. Maybe that's Mac, and maybe next year Mac comes out there and he starts flinging it all over the place. Although I will say this, as it pertains to the history of Mac, you go back to his days at Alabama, <laughs> he wasn't throwing it to tight windows very often because those guys are getting wide the hell open. So he doesn't have a lot of experience when it comes to that. And I just wonder if this type of player, in terms of Devontae Parker, actually fits into the Patriots system, and he actually fits into playing with Mac. Now, the good thing is they're working out together We're in Tampa. Kendrick Bourne's down there as well. See all these guys. Jacoby Myers has been down there. So I like the fact that those guys are all working out. I just wonder if Devontae Parker is the type of guy that makes a lot of sense in this Patriots offense based on the quarterback skill set and the way the quarterback plays. By the way, I got this tweet in from John C. Stella. It's Guardians because there's a Guardian statue that protects the drivers of the highway bridge. (laughs) I'll take your word for it, John, but I don't know why the hell it's a Guardian. I still think, even if that's the truth, I'm very distracted by the Guardians name, sorry. Even if that is the truth, I still think it's a horrible name, the Guardians. I mean, pick it up. Come on, fellas. But one thing I will say about the Patriots as they enter this next year, the second year with Mac, the guy that I would bet on in terms of producing at a higher rate next year, it's not Devontae Parker coming over and being the alpha and the omega of the offense. Like, my whole thing about the Patriots is they don't have that guy that is the definitive number one option. And for most of Brady's career, when it became the Brady team and not, like, the defensive-oriented team in the first dynasty, when it became the Brady team, Brady always had a legitimate bona fide number one option where the defense had to have their game plan centered around that player. In the beginning, in 07, when it really became Tom's team, 06, it became Tom's team as well. And I get it, he had won three Super Bowls before them, but that team was built around the defense, the Brewskis of the world, the Seymours of the world, the Ty Laws of the world, the Rodney Harrisons of the world. And then really in 06, it became about Tom, and the defense started to tail off a little bit. And if you look at 07, they get Randy Moss. So every defensive coordinator has to game plan. What are we doing with Randy Moss? You've got to put a safety over the top. You had to alter your game plan for Randy Moss. And then you draft Rob Gronkowski, and he becomes arguably the greatest tight end in NFL history, and that becomes the game plan that everybody has to try to figure out. Well, how the hell are we stopping Rob Gronkowski? Are we doubling him? Are we putting a safety? What are we doing with Rob Gronkowski, right? And with Mac Jones last year, he didn't have that element to the offense where the other team was game planning for. Who the hell were you game planning for last year? Hunter Henry? Jacoby Martin? No, you don't have that guy. You don't have the guy that you have to game plan for. And Devontae Parker is not that type of player. 
Nobody's game planning to stop Devontae Parker. Nobody's scared of Devontae Parker. That's why I still argue that that's the biggest missing thing with this Patriots team. But the guy I would say that will take a year two jump at the system is Kendrick Bourne. I look at some of the advanced stuff with Kendrick Bourne, and it sort of indicates that they should be using the guy more. So Kendrick Bourne, last year with the Patriots, 7.1 yak per reception. That ranks 7th among 127 qualified pass catchers. Pretty damn good. Like, most running backs don't qualify for this besides, like, the Austin Ecklers of the world because they didn't weren't targeted nearly enough. He had a 132.1 rating when targeted. That was 5th in the NFL. 14.5 yards per reception. 21st. Now, here's the disappointing number for Kendrick Bourne last year. 70 targets. You know where that ranked? 79th in the NFL. So I'm telling you, you get this guy the ball more, it's going to create a more dynamic part of the offense. Now, I'm not telling you that Kendrick Bourne is going to turn into a number one legitimate wide receiver in terms of being in the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Like, he's not Tyreek. He's not in that type of category. But I do feel like, and look, part of it was they didn't know exactly what they had with Kendrick Bourne. Remember, that was a deal that when they signed Kendrick Bourne, it's like, how good is Kendrick Bourne going to be, right? I mean, they signed him to a cheap deal. It's a very good deal. It turned out to be one of the best deals that Belichick signed that particular offseason. But last year, you didn't know that he was going to emerge into this guy that was dynamic with the ball in his hands. I mean, that was the hope for the Patriots. But now that you look at it, there's no reason that he should be targeted like 50 times less than Jacoby Myers. He's the more dynamic player. He's definitely a better player when he gets the ball in space. He can make guys miss. So I would expect that Bourne is the guy that if you're looking at one of these receivers to emerge as the number one receiver on this team, it would be Kendrick Bourne. It wouldn't be Jacoby Myers. But the other thing I'll get, or excuse me, it wouldn't be Devontae Parker or Jacoby Myers. It would be Kendrick Bourne. But the one thing I'll mention real briefly here before I transition into the Red Sox is one of the things that concerns me, and I mentioned this a little bit in the first hour, but one of the things that concerns me is I really hope this doesn't take the Patriots out of the wide receiver sweepstakes early. I can live with them not taking one in the first round, or but, I mean, I would love them to take a guy in the first round. I'd love that to be Jameson Williams, and my hope is that, all right, well, you know what? We got our guy in Devontae Parker. At least that's their belief. We got a guy in Devontae Parker, so we got a bunch of good pass catchers. Like, I think the Patriots have a bunch of good receivers. They don't have a star receiver. They got a bunch of good receivers. Myers is fine. Kendrick Bourne's a good player. Devontae Parker's a fine player if he can stay in the damn field. That's a concern with that guy. Maybe Bill can get him on the hydration plan that Kendrick Bourne went on to because he's got all these soft tissue issues. So that's a concern with him is injuries more so than anything else and I don't think he's a great fit with Mac Jones but nonetheless he's a fine player Hunter Henry we learned last year pretty good player Hunter Henry's never going to be a star he's a solid guy good in the red zone good on third down is solid guy so you got a bunch of solid guys you just don't have the star so I can live with the Patriots saying at 21 you know what maybe it's Nicobe Dean linebacker maybe it's a corner Andrew Booth falls there one of these corners falls because it's a good corner class so if it's a corner, if it's a line, I can live with that. But if they're not going to take a receiver in the first round, I'd like them to come back to that position in the second round. Because the reality is now you look at all these elite offenses in the NFL, all these teams have a star receiver. You just look at the final four last year. San Francisco, Debo Samuel. That guy's going to get a massive contract now after all these receivers are getting paid. Because you could make an argument that he's the most valuable non-quarterback on offense, like non-quarterback player on offense in the entire NFL. 
defense, different category. Obviously, Aaron Donald's in a world of his own. But if you look at it just from an offensive perspective, you have a guy in Debo Samuel that can not only – he's a number one receiver. He actually had averaged the most yards per reception last season, and he essentially can run in between the tackles. I don't know how many guys – and I know that Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown and all that. We know, of course, what Devontae Adams is, but you can make a real significant argument that Debo Samuel is the most valuable non-quarterback offensively in the NFL. So then you look at Green Bay last year. They had Devontae Adams. You look at the teams in the AFC. Oh, yeah, who'd Cincinnati have? Oh, they had that Jamar Chase guy. They actually hit on two guys. Not that T. Higgins is on the Jamar Chase level, but he was a second-round pick. So they have two receivers that are under rookie contracts. New cheat code in the NFL. Draft receivers early. And... Of course, then you had Kansas City who had Tyreek Hill on their team. And not, they have another number one option in Travis Kelsey. But the point being, all those teams had a legitimate guy that you had to game plan for. Cincinnati had to figure out what are we doing with Hill? What are we doing with Kelsey? Same thing can be said about Kansas City on the other side. How are we handling Jamar Chase? And then you look at how are we handling Devontae Adams? What are we doing with Tebow? These are all the questions you need to ask yourself. Or excuse me, I guess I said Devontae Adams. It would have been Cooper Cup because the Rams, of course, won the Super Bowl. But even then... The Packers made it into the Final Four. They had the bye week. They had a number one receiver. All these teams that were in the postseason, essentially, had a legitimate, bona fide number one receiver. And if they didn't have one, they got one. The Raiders got Devontae Adams. They already had a guy like Darren Waller, but they got Devontae Adams. So with the Patriots, I feel like, all right, you have a bunch of really good players. Good players, good receivers, good pass catchers. You don't have the alpha and the omega in the offense. And that's why I would still, if I was the Patriots in this draft, use one of my early picks on a receiver, whether it be in the first round or whether it be in the second round. I would still categorize the second round as high draft capital towards a receiver. That's where A.J. Brown went, who the Patriots could have had. That's where Debo Samuel went, who the Patriots could have had. But you get the point. I would still use a, a pick on a receiver early on in the draft. Okay, so if you do want to weigh in on that, what do you make of the Devontae Parker signing? That's on the table at 617-779-7937. But here's my concern with the Red Sox. The lineup we all know is going to hit my concern with the Red Sox has always been and will always been or will always be rather the bullpen with this team because it was not great last year and look if you get into the postseason which I believe the Red Sox will do I trust Cora to be able to manipulate and his maneuver his way through a playoff game he's done it on multiple he did it last year he did it of course in 2018 but the bullpen last year 241 opponents batting average, that was 23rd in baseball. 139 whip, that was 23rd in baseball. 10.8% walk rate, that was 24th in baseball. So the bullpen was not consistent whatsoever. And right now, entering the season, now, this Cutter Crawford thing, major development. That you got a guy that's coming out of the minor leagues and Cutter Crawford, who, of course, pitched AAA last year. He did have that one brief stint with the Red Sox last year. That one start did not go well. I'm not judging him by that. And his velocity is way up. Alex Cora talked about it today. You've heard it from Brad Foe. He's throwing 97 miles an hour. So that's a big development because right now the only guy, and I can't say with certainty that I can depend on Cutter Crawford because he's not really pitched at the major league level yet. The only guy in that bullpen right now that you can say without a doubt is reliable is Garrett Whitlock. All the rest of these guys, question marks about him. Matt Barnes' velocity is down. Now, apparently his dog figured out why his velocity was down, something to do with his damn mechanics. Alex Cora compared it to, like, a figure skater. I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but if, if that's what it was, then great. But Barnes was horrible in spring. Sal Amora will walk the ballpark. Darwinson didn't even make the team. Jake Beekman, who they got from the A's, he's had trouble with his slider, which is his best pitch. Alex Cora said the velocity was down on that one. He's another guy that will walk the ballpark. 
So that, to me, is the biggest concern with this team. I know there are concerns about the rotation as well, and I'll get into that in just a little bit here, but I'm not as concerned about the rotation as it seems like everybody else is. I'll tell you why next here on EEI. All right, welcome back in. We are with you until midnight, 617-779-7937. I cannot wait. We're just a couple of days. I keep saying a couple of days. We're like almost at Thursday, so we're like a day and a half away from the season getting underway. Sox and Yankees at the stadium. Let's go. Evaldi Cole cannot wait. By the way, Cole sucks against the Red Sox. Remember that last year? That <laughs> that game at Fenway, which was awesome. Garrett Cole sucked. Bogarts took him deep. Schwarber took him deep. Oh, that was fun. That was very fun. And here's the thing about Garrett Cole. If you look at him in terms of his numbers against the Red Sox last year, not particularly good. Four games, the Sox hit 279, 852 slugging percentage, five bombs, 491 ERA. Oh, and not to mention this, here's an interesting one. Of course, it's going to be a day game. Five ERA last year in day games, 125 whip, 11 bombs. He gave up 13 bombs at night, 11 during the day, but he pitched 118 and a third at night, 63 innings during the day. So Garrett Cole gets his ass lit up during the day. He gets his lat his ass lit up against the Red Sox. Cannot wait. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Marco. Marco is in Easton tonight. Marco, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Oh um, yeah. I got a couple I got a couple questions. I know you're getting into the Red Sox rotation. Um I mean, first off, Rich Hill and um I think him, like the Massachusetts native, I wanted to get your input on him. And then second, I wanted to hear about Chris Sale. I mean, at this point, it almost feels like he's dead weight on this roster. And I don't really know how to feel about him for the future. So I wanted to get your idea on Chris Sale first off. And then Rich Hill, do you think he's going to be like a productive player for this team and, or not? It's a, I mean, I'm just looking to get your input. Yeah, the Chris Sale thing, it's just so disappointing, Marco. Because I like the guy, and I think he says all the right things. Like, he was on the Greg Hill show the other day. I thought he was very entertaining. It's just, you can't depend on him anymore, right? I mean, the guy's just always hurt. That's just the reality of where Chris Sale's at in his career. He's not a dependable player. And I do feel like the organization overcompensated because of the John Lester situation. They should have let him play out that year and then decide if you wanted to sign him or not. Instead, they didn't do that. And the thing about Sale is this. It's great if he comes back in June, at the beginning of June. He says he hasn't even started throwing yet. But how do we know how long he's going to be actually pitching for? How do we know? I mean, the guy's always dealing with something, and usually it happens at the end of the season. I guess maybe that's one thing you'll avoid is the injury at the end of the season because it won't be the wear and tear. But I have no expectations for Sale going forward. I just I look at it. If he gives you something this year, great. But I look at him now, and I don't see somebody that's going to be a productive starter every fifth day. And I do feel like when he gets back, they're going to have to baby him like we've seen happen over the past couple of years. With Rich Hill, my concern about him, Marco, is he really relies on his defense because obviously he's not a big strikeout guy. 22.7% 20, uh, strikeout rate, which is below average, about in the 44th percentile. And last year, for the majority of the season, he played with the Rays, who were 7th in defensive efficiency, and the Mets, who were 16th. The Red Sox were dead last last year in defensive efficiency. So I just don't know how good he's going to be with a defense that is not great behind him. Yeah, definitely. Am I still on air? Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, my biggest thing was, so when I saw the Rich Hill signing, um, 
I mean, I look back at 2018. I mean, he was lights out in that playoffs for the Dodgers. And I'm just thinking, like, obviously he's got that, that tall figure, the long frame. I mean, he's probably going to rely on off speed with us. But, I mean, I think with this offense and, like, I mean, I personally think between him, Waka, and is Paxton playing or what's his deal? They're going to get him back at some point, and apparently he's ahead of schedule in the Tommy John recovery, so it could be as early as some uh, some portion of June, some part, uh, sometime in June maybe. Yeah, yeah. So with, with those guys, and obviously you got Eovaldi and Hauk. I don't know what his deal is. Whitlock, I mean, he might see the starting rotation. Who knows? But, I mean, I feel a lot better about this starting rotation than I do about last year's. What do you think? Yeah, they went into the season. I appreciate the call, Marco. They went into the season with Richards and Martin Perez. I mean, you feel good about Evaldi. I feel good about Pavetta. I believe he's going to have a good season. Hauk, I mean, his ideal role, from my perspective, is as like a bullpen weapon. But you have no choice. You have to put him into the rotation. This is his opportunity to prove he's a longtime starter or not. We know he can be a great reliever. We saw that last year. I'm just wondering. And I know, like, the third time through the order thing is a little bit finicky because he only had 18 he only faced 18 batters but he does tend to break down his era went really down in terms of when he got to the fourth inning last year it's when he started to struggle so he's gonna have to prove he can get through an outing with sale here's the other thing is after they signed him to that deal in 19 he's had 34 starts 34 since they gave him that contract that was over three years ago 412 era Pre-contract extension, 289 ERA. 4.4 wins above replacement since the contract. For 40.9 wins above replacement before the contract extension. That's when he was one of the best pitchers in the sport. So I just feel like they paid for previous performance. They paid because they were in a situation where the John Lester thing looked really bad from a PR perspective with the organization. That's what happened. But I do feel like, all right, See what you can get from him for two months or so. Maybe he gets back the second year back from Tommy John. I just The thing that scares me about Sale is I just don't know what's going to happen next. He comes back from the Tommy John. You're feeling great about that. He had many setbacks during that. Remember, a next situation, a bunch of different stuff. And now this year, the dude cracks a rib just throwing a baseball. How the hell does that happen? His body is frail. That's the reality of it when it comes to Chris Sale. But also here, oh, the other thing I want to mention real briefly about the rotation I know they're very high on uh, Brian Bayo, the kid right now that is throwing 97. You saw him pitch for the Sox during spring training. So maybe that's their thing. Maybe that's why they didn't trade for starters. They feel like, all right, we'll get by with Evaldi, Pavetta, Hoke, and then we'll string things together with Waka and Rich Hill on the back end of our rotation. And then once we get closer to the trading deadline, we figure out what we have with Sale, what we have with Paxson, and then... If Brian Bayo's as good as he appears to look during spring training and it feels like he could come up at some point this season, well, that's how we figure out this whole thing with the rotation. My biggest thing is I just don't know why they didn't go after big-name relievers in the offseason. I think about the fact that Iglesias was out there. Maybe that was too pricey for them. Colin McHugh was out there. Ryan Tapera was out there. Kendall Graveman was out there. I just I don't understand why Bloom didn't go after an established reliever considering... We all knew entering the offseason, the bullpen was a concern. So that's the one thing that I would critique Bloom for this offseason. All right, thanks to Ethan for producing. I'm going to be back with you tomorrow night. I'll be with Mutt from 8 to 10, and then I'll be by myself from 10 to 11. And then on Thursday, or excuse me, Friday, Mutt's got you from pregame from 12.05 to 1.05, and then I'll be on 
from 6 to 10. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.